Good morning, church. Good to be with everybody this morning. Good thing they got that, that audio going. You don't want to hear my, my Bono impersonation. It's, it's not real good, not real good at all. Thanks to those guys for holding it down while John's out of town. Thanks for you guys uh, being with us this morning. Hope you're having a great summer. Hope you're enjoying a little sunshine, a little family time. Uh, thanks for being with us this morning. I know there's a lot of cool places you could be uh, in this city and in this state on a day like today, but I'm so honored that you chose uh, to be with us. Like they say at Southwest, I know you've got a lot of choices when it comes to flying. Uh, so thank you for flying with West Bowls today. Uh, we, we don't take that for granted. Uh, but in all honesty, we are, as a church, just committed to helping you grow in your faith, uh, grow in your connection, your intimacy with the Lord in any way that we can. We hope that you know that and uh, you'll find us if we can do that. This summer, we've been doing a sermon series entitled Desire. And uh, I hope that over the last couple of weeks, last eight weeks or so, you have started to see that the, the desires that exist deep in your heart, longings, cravings for things like love or intimacy, power, fascination, those are things you're not supposed to ignore them or suppress them if you want to please God. He actually gave them to you and gave them to you for a purpose of drawing you closer to God. See, these desires show us who God is, what he is like, and then in return, they actually show us who we have been created to be, what we're supposed to be like. See, it would make sense that a loving God would create lovely creatures that want to be in love. It would make sense that a beautiful God would make beautiful creatures that want to be more and more beautiful. A fascinating God would make fascinating creatures that want to be fascinated. Are you with me? That's who God is. And when he made us in his likeness and in his image, he made us just like him. He made us just like that with all of those desires. And so my hope this summer is for you, to, uh, for you to be able to see that God is not only the source of those desires, but he's also the satisfaction to those desires. They're, they are where they come from, but they're also where they find their fulfillment. And if you turn anywhere else but Christ, I love what Becca said, anywhere but Christ, you're going to be left empty-handed See, those are, those are fake substitutes for true satisfaction. And many of us can attest to the fact that we tried this and we tasted that and we went after that and we hit this and only to be left more and more frustrated and empty than we were before. But Christ somehow and in some way has the, the ability to satisfy us like nothing else can. If you've missed any of the weeks, go back. Listen to those. I believe in this material. Whether you're young, old, male, female, no hair, gray hair, spiked hair, whatever, whatever you are. I think this series can really speak to you. I hope that it has so far. This morning, I'm excited to come to our seventh, our final desire, uh, one that I think is the, the consummation, the culmination of the other seven. So let me pray for us as we dive into this stuff and we'll get going. Father, thank you for an amazing day. Thank you for all that's been going on in this church, God. Thanks for a great summer. Thanks for all that has happened, the trips and the, the testimonies. Thanks for this series and the stories coming out of that, God. Thanks for our Fixer Upper campaign, the faithfulness of this church to, to help us take care of this building so we can take care of this community. God, thanks for what is still yet to come this summer with more trips, even some starting tomorrow, more people coming, more visitors. We just want for more, God, uh, more good things to happen. We just ask now that you would move in this space, speak to us, uh, blow your spirit in this room, God. Knock us over, knock us out. Change us, Father. We want to be like Jesus. We want him to be enough. We want to stand before the crowds and before the masses and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So remind us today, God, of what's important. Uh, realign us with the truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A young business owner was opening a, a new branch office, and a best friend uh, decided to send a floral arrangement to the grand opening. 
But when the friend arrived to the party, he was disgusted and appalled to find that underneath the wreath that he purchased was the inscription, I'm so sorry for your loss, rest in peace. He called the florist and complained angrily. Well, after apologizing, the florist said, look at it this way, buddy. Somewhere else a man was buried today under a wreath that said, go get him, tiger. <laughs> you see, our last desire, it deals with life and death, what happens in between, and really actually what happens at the end of both of them, what happens after the fact. This is the desire to live a good, meaningful life. This is the desire to be remembered, but I'm gonna call it the desire to live and leave a legacy. To live and leave a legacy. Now, unlike the other desires, most of us don't normally think about this particular desire. Uh, intimacy, power, greatness, fascination, love. We feel the presence of that desire on a daily basis, don't we? We feel the pull of those desires the minute that we wake up. And if we wake up like Ryan saying, woo, 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 but those desires are a part of our life and, and they are constantly at the forefront of our minds. But legacy, meaningful life, chances are you haven't spent much time this last week thinking about all that stuff. I mean, honestly, how many of you have thought this last week or pondered whether or not you've lived a memorable, meaningful life? Chances are legacy hasn't crossed your mind unless you're lying on your deathbed or having a, a lawyer write up your will. But the point I want to make this morning is that if you only reflect on the impact of your life at the end of your life, chances are you've wasted your life. If you only think about the impact of your life at the end of your life, chances are you've wasted your life. I love how author Richard Evans put it. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that so many wait so long to truly begin it. See, if we started thinking about our legacy now, Maybe for some of us at the beginning of our life, maybe others of us at the middle of our life, or maybe some of us at the tail end, what if we started thinking about it right now until it was before it was, I should say, too late? Maybe if you think about your life right now or your death right now, maybe it helps to make sense of those two things. Maybe it brings life before your death or life after life. I don't know, but I think you would just be able to go get them, tiger, now and later, if you really honestly thought about your legacy? What's the meaning of your life? How is it going to be remembered and reflected upon? Back in college, I read a book entitled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Anybody else ever read Stephen Covey's book? Wow, we're pretty ineffective around here. Well, pick up the book. And, and you know, it, it, it was some good, there were some good parts to it. It changed me, but I forgot six of the seven. Don't you hate when that happens? It's like every book in college, you know, like you remember 15% of it. But I do remember principle number two. That one stuck with me for some reason more than the others. And the principle was simply this, begin with the end in mind. Begin with the end in mind. Basically, before you start a project, before you begin a new venture, you have to have a clear understanding as to what the goal looks like, as to what the finished product looked like, as to what the finish line looks like. Unless you know what your target is, unless you know what the goal is, then you never know if you hit it. You never know if you get there. And this is true with home remodeling or entrepreneurial endeavors. This is also true for all of life. Unless you know what the end looks like, then you're really wasting every day up until that point. You've got to start with a clear understanding of what the goal is, what the end is, what the finish line looks like. 
Now, to drive this home, Covey had his readers do something rather strange, and, and I want to try it this morning. So hang with me. This is rather odd, but I think it's an important exercise. Imagine for a second that you're attending your own funeral, your own memorial service. Imagine that later today, in this very sanctuary, we will be gathering to reflect and remember your life and talk about your death. Your favorite music is playing softly in the background. The stage is filled with flowers, making all of us sneeze. Your body is in the coffin. Your ashes are in the urn. Who's in attendance today? Who took the time to show up to this service? Who didn't? What about the emotion and the spirit of the room? Is there laughter? Are there tears? Is there confusion, sadness, joy? What are people saying? What are they laughing about? What are they sharing? What memories do they have of you? What's being said of your character? What pictures are being shown up on the screen? I know it's weird, but you've got to go to that place. Think of the last memorial service you attended and move from the crowd and go into the coffin. What is being said of you? Take yourself out of the seat and put yourself in the box on the stage. What does your life look like when it all comes to an end? What's the finish line for you? What's the finished product for you? Okay, that's morbid enough for one morning. Get out of the box. Get back in this chair, okay? Here's the thing, though. I think Stephen Covey have it right. It's, it's a biblical principle. Thinking about your death can radically change your life. See, if you want people to speak well of you and to remember you, if you want people to be touched and changed by, by your selflessness, your loving heart, your devotion to your family, your contagious joy, your heroic acts of faith, your corny preacher jokes, you gotta start with those today. Those have to be a part of today and not just a part of the last day. You gotta keep those things that you want at the end to be a part of every day until you get to the end. Does that make sense? If you allow the days and the months and the years to just come and go with no thought, uh, with, with, with no intentionality, no purpose, without any clear idea of what you want to be remembered for, what the ultimate goal is like, then, then ultimately you'll be remembered like this guy. We created a couple little tombstones for some object lessons for you this morning. You know, funny guy, sports nut, ladies man, adrenaline junkie. In other words, forgettable. But if you don't have any intentionality, if you don't live any differently, that will be your legacy. And after I walk out of your service, I'll forget about you forever. And there's nothing, I have nothing against those things. I mean, I hope that I'm considered a few of those things myself. But don't you think, don't you feel, don't you long for something so much more than that? Don't you think your legacy, how you'll be remembered forever, should be so much bigger than that, so much more meaningful than that? Well, of course you do. You were made to live and leave a legacy. Mike Bickle, a preacher from Bethel School of Ministry, says it this way. We play a small but significant role in a very large drama, in a great conflict with eternal consequences. We're not some footnote to the script. God did not create us or the world because he was bored. He's not peering down on us as if we're a collection of highly functioning gerbils in a cage. He made us to be, and he's looking for people who will partner with him to bring about his kingdom on the earth. He made us to be, and he's looking for people to lead the world, to partner with him, to bring about redemption, restoration, reconciliation. Now, those are words for a tombstone. That's a legacy. Funny guy, sports nut, ladies, men, no, no, no. How about reconciler, redeemer, 
restorer. I don't know about you, but that quote makes my heart come alive. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. That's what I desire. That's what I've been looking for. I've been called. I've been created to lead the nations, to bring heaven to earth, to start a revolution. That's my life. And I want that to be my legacy. How about you? I want more than that. He who dies with the most toys wins. That's it. That's all you've got. There's got to be more than that. And I think all of us want more than that. I think all of us ache for and desire more than that. The question is, how do you get that? How do you go from, from, from this type of, or, or how do you get to have this type of, of legacy? How do you go from this uh, meaningless, forgettable to this unforgettable? How do you make that jump? How do you make that transition? How are you remembered for being this type of person? Sacrificial servant, devoted Christ follower. Christ is enough for me. How do you go? How do you get there? Honestly, I'm asking. Anybody have a clue? How do you get there? Well, I think one place we could start is Luke 19. Let me share a little story with you that Jesus told. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. So Jesus therefore told this story. A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas. He said to each one, engage in business until I come back. But his citizens hated him, and he sent a delegation after him saying, we don't want this man to reign over us. But when he returned, having become the king, he ordered the servants to whom he had given the money to be called back, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him saying, Lord, your mina has received 10 more. He said to them, well done, good servant. Because you've been faithful in very little, you shall now have authority over 10 cities. The second servant came saying, Lord, your mina has now made five more. He said to them, well done, good servant. You are now over five cities. And then another came saying, Lord, uh, here's your one mina that you gave me, which I laid away in a handkerchief because I was afraid of you. You're a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and you reap what you do not sow. Well, the master said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit, reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank and at least come and make some interest on it. Now the story goes on. I encourage you to read it, but I want to point out a few things to you here. The language, the wording of this story is crucial. The master praises the servant with two words, well done. Well done. Notice what he doesn't say. Doesn't say well read, well traveled, well dressed, well respected, well versed, he did not say well said, well phrased, or well thought out. He said, well done. You actually did something. They were praised because they put into practice what the master preached. Their legacy, this kind of legacy, is because you do what the word says and don't just talk about what the word says. You create this legacy when you do what the word says and not just memorize what the word says. You create this legacy when you do what the word says and don't just sing about what the word says. Now, I'm sure the Lord loves when we memorize it and sing about it and gather in halls to hear about it, but you know what he really loves? He loves when we take this word and we do what Jesus did. We incarnate it. We make it flesh. We make it known. We make it visible. He wants your legacy to be that. You know how you get that? You do something. 
Jesus said this on a regular basis, right? He wants our beliefs to manifest themselves in our behaviors. On several occasions, he, he kind of stops the crowd. He's like, wait, hold on here. Why do you call me master or teacher and yet never do anything I ask? Don't call me master if you're not going to follow my commands. Don't call me teacher if you're not going to put into practice the things that I'm teaching. It reminds me of the people who describe their favorite sports team using the term we. It's like, whew, we got a great team this year. The Broncos, yeah, we're going all the way this year. We had a tough end of the year, I understand that, but we're looking good, we're having a good training camp, we got some good, you know, uh, free agents over the off season. I'm like, we? What are you talking about we? How many laps have you run with those guys? How many weights have you pushed? How many drills have you run, right? It's not a we, unless you put in the work, you can't call yourself part of the team. I wonder if the master in Luke 19 is saying the same thing to us. Unless you put in the work, you can't call yourself part of the team. Unless you put in the work, Christian, you can't call yourself part of the kingdom. Well done. Well done. Well done. Those are the words we're all looking to hear. Those and no other. See, you were created, and legacies are created. When, when your life becomes meaningful, when it becomes significant, when your story becomes part of God's story, when you decide to take principles and put them into practice, when you move from a hearer of the word to a doer of the word. I mean, think about the images and, and the analogies that Jesus used to describe his followers. They're all action-oriented terms. It's a servant, a warrior, a lover, a fighter, a bride, a runner, an ambassador. Those are action-oriented. You gotta do something to be like that. He didn't say to be a follower of Jesus is like being a chair. It's like being a book. It's like being a plastic pulpit. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You just sit there and don't do anything. No, no, no. He said you get out, you go, you do. And as you go, as you get out, as you do, you know what you're doing? Creating a legacy that will never be forgotten. You're moving away from this and into something like this. Because it's easy. It's easy to talk about heaven and hell. It's easy to debate what they're going to be like, who's going to end up in each spot. That's easy. You know what's really hard? To take an idea, to take a belief, and to start putting it into a behavior. It's hard to walk with someone as they're going through hell to tell them about heaven, give them a glimpse of heaven, be a representative of heaven. It's hard to take the, the belief and move it into a behavior. But that's what creates a legacy. It's easy to, to argue over what Paul meant when he was talking about treatment of women or what definition he had in mind when he was talking about homosexuality. It's easy to talk about that or to have a belief about those things. You know what's hard? is to stand up for women when they're mistreated. You know what's hard is to befriend someone who's struggling with their sexual identity. That's hard to do. But when you do that, you create a legacy. I mean, it's easy to complain about church, other churches, I guess, not bowls, uh, right? You talk about what fills you up, what type of music you prefer, what type of preaching style, you know, you like better. You know what's harder to do is to take a belief and move it into a behavior. It's harder to come and give yourself away on Sunday morning than to only get things for yourself. It's hard to move into the doing phase, but that's what creates a legacy. You will default to being like this if you don't do anything. You've got to work hard to become like this. Our legacies are connected to what we do. Now, I'm not saying our salvation or our worth or our place in God's heart is connected to what we do. If you know me, you know that we are children, adopted sons and daughters, and that will never change. 
The love the Father has for us is a given and a guarantee. I'm not talking about the love of the Father. I'm talking about your legacy. I'm talking about what I'm going to say about you when you're the one whose memorial service I'm performing. I'm like, well, she was a nice lady, but she was just stressed out. Like, that's all I got. Like, he was, a, he was a cool guy, but man, he just griped about the church all the time. You know, he was, he was a good dad, but man, he just, he loved his sports a lot more than his family. You know, she was great and she, she was giving, but man, I think she just spent a lot of money on herself and on, her, on making her home better. What am I going to say about you? What are others going to say about you? Like I said, if you don't think about it right now, that's it. Uh, he was a funny guy, a sports nut, a ladies' man, an adrenaline junkie. We're going to miss him. We will. He was a Christ follower, a devoted husband, godly father, ambassador, sacrificial servant. And this world is really going to miss him. See the difference? This is the legacy you were created to leave. This is the one you were created to live. Well done. Well done. That's what I want to hear. So here's the thing, right? We all have our moments. We all have those moments when we do something good and you're like, hey, remember me like that. Like when I was really loving my daughters and I gave up that round of golf so I could go to the ballet practice or whatever it is. Like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm an awesome dad. We all have our moments. And if I could pick out your moments, then yeah, you'd live a great life. You'd have a great legacy. It's not about moments. It's about a life span, lifetime. It's about doing those things each and every moment, not just once every moment, right? Does that make any sense? I'm kind of stumbling over these words, but I think you're getting the idea here. One of my favorite movies growing up was Remember the Titans. Anybody remember that movie? Great football movie. That, that's not the screen for it, but it's about a, a football team that has a, an African-American head coach in the South when having an African-American head coach in the South was not a very good idea. So one time they're playing a, a team that's extremely racist. The head coach of their team is extremely racist. And I love how the assistant coach draws the team over one night in the middle of the game. And this, these are the words, and I just love this phrase. He says, tonight I want you to beat them so bad that you leave no doubt. Leave no doubt. Christian, when it comes to your legacy, when it comes to following Jesus, when it comes to being a disciple, leave no doubt. If you leave it up for debate, that's what's gonna happen to you. But if you leave no doubt, then that is gonna be it. Let me try to bring this home just a little bit. Over the last several months, I've had the opportunity to officiate a couple different funerals. Uh, they say marrying and burying is a big part of being a pastor, and they'd, they'd be right, whoever they are. But in all honesty, these two funerals were about as different as you can get. One was for a man who overdosed on drugs and whose life was filled with all sorts of different addictions, different broken relationships. The memorial was small, it was short, and it was sad. It was sad because the family literally had to stretch to find meaningful, memorable things to say about this man. But a few months before that, I did a funeral for a man that honestly felt more like a worship service than a memorial service. The place was packed. People couldn't stop singing this man's praises. And it was inspirational, right? One felt like a life that was wasted. The other felt like a life that was well lived. One was gonna be lost. One left an eternal legacy. You see the difference? And there's no in-between. You're either living that kind of life or you're living this kind of life. Jesus doesn't say, you can kind of have a little bit of both if you want. On certain days, be like this, and then maybe on Monday, you could be like that. 
Your legacy is the way you are every moment, every day, and it starts today. And you were created. You were created for this. You were created so that every day of your life, when it comes to the end of your life, somehow you're able to bring life to other people. That, that's how you were created to live. You're not called to be forgotten. You're called to be recalled forever. You're called to be remembered forever. Look at Daniel 12, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth. All of us will die, basically, but we will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. But those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. When we devote ourselves to the things of God, when we commit our lives to emulating Christ's life, when we tell others about the hope of life after life, you know what's going to happen to you at the end of your life? You're going to shine like a star forever and ever. Tell me, something inside of you doesn't come alive when you read those words. My life doesn't come to an end when it comes to an end. You know what happens to me? I start shining like a star forever and ever. That's my legacy. That's your legacy. That's one thing to be a nice guy, a good mom, a hard worker. You were made for more than that. That's not enough. Your legacy is more important than that. Good grades, CEO, yeah, whatever. You were made for more than that. You were made to shine like the stars forever. And nothing on this side of the grave will ever satisfy that. Nothing. So let me close by suggesting three things to you real fast that, that hopefully will, uh, will possibly change what you do right now that will then ultimately change how you'll be remembered forever. Three things, real quick, and we'll call it a morning. First is the small things. When we think about making a huge impact for the kingdom, leaving a significant legacy, we naturally assume we have to do something huge, right? Something over the top. Like lasting legacy is connected to starting your own nonprofit or raising a billion dollars or hiking every 14 or I don't know what it is for you, but like to be remembered, you gotta go big. I'm not sure you do. Think back to that parable in Luke. The master praised the servant for being faithful with the little things, the small things. Because this is what happens when you're faithful with the small things. They become eternally significant things. When you do the little things well, you take that $10,000 you were given and you invest it for the Lord. You take those two kids you were given. You take that marriage, that business you were given. You take whatever you've been given, however small, and you're faithful with it. Guess what it becomes over time? Eternally significant. See, a lot of people think when Jesus shows up, he's going to hit like some giant delete button, like select all and uh, copy, cut all, right? Like new life begins wrong. When he comes, he's going to account for and look back on all that's been done up until that point, and it's going to carry over from one life to the next. So we need to make sure that what we're doing in this life matters. And it's those little things, it's those little things that really, really matter. It's that time spent studying. That time spent with a distraught friend, the extra time on your knees, that money you gave away to the person in need, the encouraging words that you share with another, that decision to turn off the pop-up once it popped up, right? All of those things, it's your commitment to doing the little things well each and every day, and those small things will become eternally significant things. I know that some of you, especially you moms or you guys who are working 60-hour weeks, you're wondering, does this make a difference? The little things I'm doing, the lunches, the dishes, the clock punching, does any of that make a difference? Yes, it does. It's a small thing, but it will become an eternally significant thing. Ten coins resulted in ten cities. The same will be true for us. Faithful in the small. What you're doing now, it will transcend and carry over to the next life. 
So continue being faithful in the little. Study, work hard, be kind, give generously, make dinner, wash the dishes, listen to the kids, take your time, stop and give thanks. It's the small things that will become eternally significant things. And those small things will create a lasting legacy. In addition to the small things, I think God's also telling us to do some surprising things. Look at what he says in Matthew 17. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came to the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others, from outsiders? Well, from others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you'll find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Little confession moment here. I have no clue what this passage is talking about. I'm like, what? Why is this in there? What do I do with this? Fish and tax and kids? Like, what? But this week, something kind of came to my mind. One of the first truths I ever pulled out of this text. You know what's happening here? Jesus is asking Peter to do something surprising. Something that will surprise himself, but also that will surprise everybody else around him. Right, it's a weird story. Like, we need to pay the tax, Peter, so go catch a fish and pay the tax. Like, you find a coin in a fish's mouth. I mean, that didn't freak Peter out. I'm not sure what would. But I think, I mean, I think about this. He could have done it any number of ways. He could have been like, we need to pay the tax, so here, let me get my wallet out real fast, Peter. Here's a couple bucks, right? Pay the tax. He could have made it out of thin air. He could have been like, we need to pay the tax. So here you go. He could have even pulled one of those magician tricks, right? Like, Peter, what's that behind your ear? Oh, oh, temple tax. <laughs> Peter, you had it the whole time, dude. If I, if I was Jesus, I'd have a lot more fun with this stuff, man. <laughs> but instead of just kind of making it up or giving it to him, you know what he asked him to do? He says, do something that will be surprising to everybody. Surprise yourself, man. Take a step out in faith. Do something that looks foolish. Go catch a fish, pull some money out of its mouth. Man, that's like a total waste of time at worst, incredibly awkward and uncomfortable at best, right? But maybe you create a legacy. Maybe you become a doer of the word when you step out of the boat, when you take a risk, when you take a chance, when you say, Lord, I need you to show up right now or else it's all gonna fall flat. I mean, think about marching around a fortified city with nothing but a trumpet. Think about going onto the top of a mountain with your son as the sacrifice. Think about stepping into a fiery furnace for the Lord because you're not going to say no. All right, think about doing those things. That's trust. That's faith. That's a biblical legacy. And that's what you and I have been called to live. I say that I trust in God, but I really don't do anything that requires any trust in God. I've got airbags. I've got retirement accounts. I've got an alarm you know, security system. Where do I need the Lord to show up? I don't know. What, what's your fish, man? What's your tax? What are you going to do this week? It's like, I'm going to try it. Maybe the best thing that could be on your tombstone was like these words, didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, that was weird, Thomas. Why, why did you do that? Maybe that's the best compliment you can get this week. Maybe your coworkers are like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Maybe the best thing for a believer is just to do something surprising that pushes the envelope, that steps out of the boat, that requires some faith. Because you see, when you do the small things, you're creating a legacy that will last forever. I think when you do the surprising things, you start to create a legacy that will last forever. And finally, I think God is calling us to do the spectacular things. 
Now, this might be a convenient way to wrap up a series, but I honestly think the spectacular has everything to do with looking to God to satisfy your core desires. See, someone who believes that God doesn't just saves them, but satisfies them, that's the kind of person that leaves this kind of legacy. This is how you've been wired. This was the summer that we spent together talking about the, the longings and the cravings of your heart. When you delight in the Lord for all of these things, you will live a legacy that will never be forgotten. Think about this, believing that God is the most fascinating being who does the most fascinating things and then who invites you to partner with him to be a part of that fascinating work. That's an incredible thing. That's a spectacular thing. That's a legacy. Think about proclaiming through the way you act and dress and spend your $202 every year on cosmetic products that beauty is imparted, not manufactured. And that it has more to do with the internal beauty than the external beauty. When you live that kind of way, you're living a spectacular way. You're gonna leave a legacy. Think about clinging to the reality that God loves you unconditionally. He loves you like a, a faithful friend and a dedicated daddy and a heroic husband. When you believe he loves you like that, you're doing something spectacular. And when you do something like that, you're gonna leave a legacy. Think about not settling for cheap, quick, fake forms of intimacy, but entering into God himself, allowing God to enter into you through prayer, through baptism, through communion. That's spectacular. And when you live that way, you're going to leave a legacy. Think about humbling yourself, washing undeserving, dirty feet of those around you, becoming a servant of all, rising to the top by serving those on the bottom. That's spectacular. When you do that, you will leave a legacy. When you do that, Christian, you will shine like the stars forever and ever. That's the kind of life I want. That's the kind of legacy I want. And if you want that too, then come on, let's go. And if you don't, you know, there's some other great churches here that'll kind of stroke your ego or make you feel good about yourself, make you laugh a little bit. I want to live and leave a legacy. Don't you? Don't you want to live this life now and every day until the end of my days? I want that to be what I'm known for. I want you to have to stand up here for four hours at my funeral and be like, woo, where can we even start with this guy? I know where you start. Right there. Christ follower. Devoted husband, godly father, sacrificial servant. Is that who I am today? Is that who I am right now? Because if I'm not that right now, then I won't be that at the end. But if I start and commit myself to those things right now, when that last day comes, you'll have that to say and a whole lot more. That's my prayer for myself and for this church. What will the inscription be on your floral arrangement? I'm sorry, oops, it's fun while it lasted. Or will it say, go get him, tiger? <laughs> go get him, tiger. Go get him. Yeah, let's pray that'll be the case. God, we know our life is more than just what many of us have been experiencing thus far. We know it's more than just getting some toys and having some fun and being nice and kind and getting a house. It's more than that. God, it's about living and then leaving a legacy. A legacy, it's all about Jesus. It's all about sacrifice, servitude, being saved. God, it's all about those things. We, we wanna be about that life. It's so hard for us, God, to dedicate ourselves to that life, though. Would you help us today start with the small things? Maybe we can move into the surprising things. Ultimately, Father, would you empower us to do the spectacular things? We wanna be people that at the end of our life, God, somehow we are able to still bring life, maybe even more life to those we left behind. So help us today to be intentional, to be motivated, God, 
to be disciplined enough to start working towards the legacy we want right now. Help us to live this day as if it were the last. And ultimately when the last comes, Father, uh, it will be a, it'll be a great day. Make it so. Help us to live and leave a legacy. Help us, God, to look to you to satisfy every single one of our core desires. We thank you that you are a God who is willing, able, and ready to do just that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.